From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, presenting a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text comes from Psalm 74 and verse 17. Thou hast made summer and winter. My soul begin this wintry month with thy God. The cold snows and the piercing winds all remind thee that he keeps his covenant with day and night, and tend to assure thee that he will also keep that glorious covenant which he has made with thee in the person of Christ Jesus. He who is true to his word in the revolutions of the seasons of this poor, sin-polluted world will not prove unfaithful in his dealings with his own well-beloved son. Winter in the soul is by no means a comfortable season, and if it be upon thee just now, it will be very painful to thee. But there is this comfort, namely, that the Lord makes it. He sends the sharp blasts of adversity to nip the buds of expectation, He scatters the hoar-frost like ashes over the once verdant meadows of our joy. He casts forth his ice like morsels, freezing the streams of our delight. He does it all. He is the great winter king, and rules in the realms of frost, and therefore thou canst not murmur. Losses, crosses, heaviness, sickness, poverty, and a thousand other ills are of the Lord's sending, and come to us with a wise design." Frosts kill noxious insects and put a bound to raging diseases. They break up the clods and sweeten the soil. Oh, that such good results would always follow our winters of affliction! How we prize the fire just now! How pleasant is its cheerful glow! Let us in the same manner prize our Lord, who is the constant source of warmth and comfort in every time of trouble. Let us draw nigh to Him, and in Him find joy and peace in believing. Let us wrap ourselves in the warm garments of His promises, and go forth to labors which befit the season. For it were ill to be as the sluggard who will not plough by reason of the cold, for he shall beg in summer and have nothing. In times of deep despair I lift my eyes Unto the hills where comes my help and aid Unto the God who cares for his own 
precious thought, my helper never fails, but watches keeps me safe both night and day, refreshing me with promises divine, and words of At this season of the year, the thoughts of God's people turn with special emphasis to the miracle of the Incarnation, the incomprehensible truth of Emmanuel, God with us. To assist you in meditating upon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, we're happy to offer a unique publication called The Twelve Days of Christmas. Written by Roger Ellsworth, an experienced minister and writer, The Twelve Days of Christmas is a small paperback book 
containing 24 devotions, each including a short scripture reading, several paragraphs, and a concluding to-think-about section that draws lines of application from the text to modern-day life. The book is intended to help the hearts and minds of believers to focus on the wonder of the Incarnation, as well as to encourage unbelievers to come in repentance and faith to Christ. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make this inspirational booklet available free of charge to our listening audience. You may have a copy simply by contacting us by phone, email, or regular mail. You may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. We encourage you to request your free copy of The Twelve Days of Christmas While Supplies Last. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues a series of studies in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit as he brings the opening portion of a message based on Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, the first part of the verse, Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. The Corinthian Christians to whom Paul wrote these words had much in common with believers of our present day. They lived in a morally decadent environment. Immorality was a way of life in ancient Corinth. Paul's way of teaching them how to live holy lives was to bring them to the truth of the gospel, especially to remind them that their bodies were the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that same truth applies today. Now Dr. Cairns will introduce this message, The Indwelling of the Spirit. Our Bible reading this morning is found in the first epistle of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 6. The sixth chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians, reading together from verse 1. First Corinthians chapter 6, commencing at verse 1. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust, and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? 
No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren, but brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore, there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong, and defraud, and that your brethren. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath raised both up the Lord, and will also raise us up by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. The Lord will add his own blessing to the reading of his word for his name's sake. This morning I want to direct your attentions particularly to verse 19 of the passage from which we have just been reading. And even more particularly to the first half of the verse. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. The greatest possible incentive to right living is the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a very simple statement, one that is borne out again and again as you look into the Word of God. 
It is a great pity that gospel preachers have, by and large, forgotten that fact, and they will use all sorts of arguments to produce right living. I don't want to take too much time proving my point. How often, however, do we hear gospel preachers trying to exhort, say, young people that they ought not to listen to rock music and they'll tell them that it's bad for their eardrums. Well, we know it's bad for their eardrums. And so is standing beside someone who's cracking a concrete pavement with one of those huge hydraulic drills. doesn't say that a hydraulic drill is morally wrong. They will tell them that it will have all sorts of effects upon their psychological makeup. So it will. That's a little more sensible to take that line. But how often preachers feel to get through, especially to young people who name the name of Christ, by giving them the gospel. Because I want to make a statement here this morning, very simple again, but it is very easily proved that any person, young or old, who is truly living in the fellowship of Jesus Christ and truly has a vision of the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ will not and cannot possibly soil his soul, be it with rock music or anything else that is sinful in its nature. The gospel itself is the greatest incentive to right living. You will see this clearly in the passage we have read. In this chapter, Paul is mounting a very strong argument for a life of holy separation unto the Lord on the part of the Corinthian Christians. But among these Christians, sin has been running to the very worst possible or conceivable excesses. We have read something of their sin this morning, and although the language of the Holy Ghost is, as usual, chaste and careful, yet we cannot fail to recognize the abysmal depths to which the professing Christians in Corinth had fallen. Paul is urging them in verses 16 uh, through to 18, Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? Uh, verse 17, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Now his great appeal, flee fornication. And he says every other sin, uh, be it drunkenness or theft or anything else, it, it is outside of the man. Oh, it has an impact upon his heart and his soul. But this sin will not only have a moral impact, but will go immediately and destroy the very body. So he's making a strong appeal for separation and holiness. Now this must have seemed very, very strange to people who were used to the lifestyle and the standards of Corinth. You should, if you want to get a fuller understanding of this, uh, read any authority on what life was like in ancient Corinth. Corinth was the Sodom of its day. Corinth was a cesspool of iniquity. 
and to be just a little better than the lowest was to appear to be like a saint. And therefore it sounded very strange to these people that Paul should be calling for such unheard of standards of separation and purity of life. I'm tempted to stop off there and have a little word about modern American society, modern Western society. Holiness in the church is not to be merely one step better than the world. How often we think we are separated and we're holy if we are only doing today what the world did ten years ago without reference to the Word of God and to the innate spirituality or otherwise of what we're doing. Holiness is not just to be a step different from the world. Holiness is the result of a proper relationship to God. Holiness is the life of Jesus Christ by His Spirit lived out in absolute antipathy and antagonism to everything that the world and the flesh and the devil are standing for. And so therefore Paul's standard appeared to be very strange to these people. So how does he argue with them? How does he encourage them to obey? Does he merely hit them over the head with a lot of psychological arguments? Does he merely hold out to them the terrible results of their ongoing sin? Certainly something to be said for warning of the results of sin, and he has touched on that already. But that will never give a man the necessary impetus to do right. How long will it take us to learn this in the Church of Christ? But showing a man the results of doing wrong will never give him a heart to do right. Oh, it may put a block in his way, and it's part of the gospel ministry, honestly, to give such a warning. But the power to do right must come from Christ through the gospel. So therefore, Paul, in the, ver the verse 19 gives them the incentive to right living. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? The word temple is an interesting word. There are two words that may be translated temple. And one takes in the entire temple area, including the outer court. This is the other word which would speak of the inner sanctuary. And what Paul is saying is, you are the holy place wherein dwells the Holy Spirit of God. How then can you feel to be holy? That is how Paul argues. Now surely that truth is bound to have a vital influence on the way Christians think and on the way Christians live. These words, Paul is taking us to the depths of the mystery of regeneration. And he makes a statement of immense importance, tremendous significance. What he's dealing with is the subject of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And in doing this, he makes one thing clear, that every Christian is indwelt by the Spirit of God. Now, this is an essential part of the doctrine of regeneration. We have dealt with this doctrine over the last couple of Sunday morning messages. Remember, we dealt with it 
in itself what it means to be regenerated, to be brought to life in Christ. You who were dead in sins, hath he quickened. That's regeneration. Then the last time we were studying the subject, we dealt with that great text in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, where we're told you are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. Now we want to come to a much more immediate and personal level and look at the personal indwelling of the believer by the Holy Spirit. First and foremost, it's always good to know what we're talking about. We're going to think about the meaning of the indwelling of the Spirit. Now let's lay the basis first and foremost. It is uniform in the Word of God to teach this doctrine that the Holy Ghost indwells the true people of God. Even in the Old Testament. Some people speak as if the Old Testament knew nothing about the doctrine of the indwelling Spirit. That's not true. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit made this part of the promise of the Gospel. You turn back with me to Ezekiel 36 and then 37. Chapter 36, verse 27 has this to say, I will put my Spirit within you. Now that's plain enough. Chapter 37 and verse 14 says, he shall, I shall put my Spirit in you, and ye shall live. The promise of the Gospel, according to the Old Testament, was the promise of the indwelling Spirit. The New Testament confirms this. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 